What's up, coaches? Hey, I got a little extra pep in my step today because school's out for summer. Woo, let's go. I mean, what has felt like the longest school year of my life, and I'm sure yours too, is over. And now, I guess depending on what part of the country you're in, but here in Texas, we can look forward to getting back to normal next school year with, with full stadiums and no masks. And look, I know we are or were extremely blessed here to, to actually have you know, in-person school all year. Our administration here did an outstanding job making that happen. And we got to play a full uh, uninterrupted football season. So, yes, it was a stressful year with a ton of frustrations and difficulties. But we made it through. And now we can look ahead to what I think will, will be a fall unlike anything we've seen in a while as people will be really eager to get back out and watch football again, particularly high school football. So, hey, I, I'm feeling good today. Hope you are too. Wherever you are today, thank you for checking us out. We have listeners tuning in from all over the country. And, you know, occasionally I'll tweet out those cities that have the most KYPD downloads for a given week. And it's always interesting to see where you guys are tuning in from because a lot of times it's from places I've never heard of. So, again, thank you for listening and telling all of your friends about us. It is Memorial Day, so before we get into our episode today, I want to take a moment and recognize those men and women who have paid the ultimate sacrifice by giving their lives for this great nation of ours. Uh, thank you to them. Uh, we remember them and honor them today for the sacrifice they made so that we can enjoy the freedoms that we have in our country today. So whether you're out on the lake today, manning the grill, or uh, out on the road, or hanging out at the house, whatever you're doing, make sure you take some time to reflect on the bravery of those men and women and how blessed we are as a nation for their service and, and their sacrifice. Now, with it being Memorial Day, it's only fitting that we talk to a coach from one of our nation's service academies. So for the second week in a row, we welcome a coach from one of those distinguished service academies and Coach Tim Horton, running backs coach and special teams coordinator at the Air Force Academy. Super excited to be talking with Coach Horton today. But first, let me tell you about our two sponsors for season three of KYPD, starting off with my friends at Our Coaching Network. Our Coaching Network is a new football coaching platform connecting coaches from all levels and helping them get better every week. Our Coaching Network has live clinics going off three to four nights a week, and we'll have 150-plus hours of high-quality live coaching clinics this year with each week's clinics added to a library that can be referred back to at any time in the future. This week, it's a busy week on Our Coaching Network. It's loaded with opportunities to hear from some outstanding coaches on all kinds of topics beginning tonight with a clinic on linebacker play from Campbell University linebacker coach Braxton Harris. And then tomorrow night, you got not one, but two clinics popping off with a punt team roundtable clinic starting at 7 p.m. Central, followed by a GA Talks clinic at 8. Uh, Wednesday night will also feature back-to-back -back clinics as well. So a lot going on uh, over at Our Coaching Network this week. Get on over there, create your account. That money you're spending is an investment in yourself, and you'll level up on your football knowledge and begin learning and connecting with coaches from all over the country. One more thing here, coaches, if you're not promoting your athletic program through social media, I'm just telling you, you are way behind. If you have no idea about how to go about doing that, then you should check out GoEdit Graphics. GoEdit Graphics allows any coach to create custom graphics in minutes by changing the colors, text, and images to make it their own. They offer categories like game day, scoring, player profiles, and communication, to name a few. The platform is easy, it's affordable, and no design skills are needed. So if you're looking for a way to promote the awesome things going on in your athletic program, then the team at GoEdit Graphics has got you covered. 
Subscriptions are for 12 months and include unlimited graphics. Here's something else that's cool. Mention keep your pads down and receive $25 off your showcase yearly package. Go check them out on Twitter at GoEditGraphics or visit their website through the link in today's show notes to see examples of the awesome graphics coaches have already created. You can also check out our Twitter feed for examples as many of our show's graphics were created using GoEdit as well. Showcase your athletes with custom graphics in less than two minutes with GoEdit Graphics. Okay, back to today's guest with Coach Tim Horton. As I mentioned already, Coach Horton currently serves as a running backs coach and special teams coordinator at the United States Air Force Academy. Now, we usually don't have running back coaches on the podcast, but I always have been a fan of Coach Horton's ever since he was uh, coaching at the University of Arkansas. I was introduced to him by my father-in-law, who is close friends with Coach Horton, and, and over the years have we've stayed in touch, and, and uh, I know him to be a man of strong faith who is sincere and genuine and a really giving person who is also a really good football coach. Uh, coach Horton is the son of a coach. He grew up in Arkansas and attended the University of Arkansas, where he played wide receiver and returned punts for the Razorbacks. As a senior captain for the Hogs, Coach Horton earned second-team All-Southwest Conference honors, and during his entire Arkansas playing career, the Razorbacks compiled a 38-11 and record, won back-to-back -back SWC titles, and appeared in four straight bowl games. Coach Horton got his start in coaching at Appalachian State, where he remained for eight seasons before moving on to the Air Force Academy, where he coached from 1999 to 2005. From Air Force, Coach moved to Kansas State, where he coached for one season before heading home to his alma mater in Fayetteville to coach the Hawks from 2007 to 2012 where he was able to mold and coach some outstanding running backs, including Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, and Niall Davis, among others. From Arkansas, Coach stayed in the SEC West and moved over to the Plains to coach the running backs at Auburn from 2013 to 2018, where he coached Heisman finalist Trey Mason and helped the Tigers to an appearance in the national championship game versus Florida State. From Auburn, Coach spent 2019 to 2020 at Vanderbilt, where he coached running backs for the Commodores, before moving on to Air Force for his second stint with the Falcons. Today, Coach and I talk about all of those great running backs he's coached and what has made them so special. I also ask him about what defenses do that has given his offenses issues over the years and what he and his guys talk about in between series and how they make their adjustments and what they're looking at as far as the defense is concerned. We also talk about Coach's faith and how that faith has guided him through the stresses and uncertainties of coaching Division I football. I really enjoy talking with Coach Horton and know that whatever position you coach, or even if you're not a football coach at all, that you'll gain something from our conversation today. So here he is, Coach Tim Horton, on episode number 108 of KYPD. Honored to be talking with you today. Thank you so much for joining us. And welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Ty. It's an honor to be here and uh, appreciate all y'all do to, to help make a difference in kids' lives and to make football better as well. Absolutely, Coach. Well, a lot of great stuff to dive into today. Uh, you're in a great spot there at Air Force, uh, your second stint with the Falcons there, coaching running backs now and serving as a special teams coordinator. Your football journey is, is really an, a really interesting one from your days as a player at Arkansas to coaching you know, some of the best running backs in college football with a lot of those years coming in the SEC. So take us back to the beginning and, and tell us what made you want to become a, a coach in the first place. 
Well, Ty, I grew up in a coaching family. Uh, my father was a, a longtime coach. He was a high school coach in the state of Arkansas for six years. And then he was an assistant coach at the University of Arkansas for about 13 years. And then he became the head coach at the University of Central Arkansas. So, and he was there for eight years and had a whole lot of success. And so I, I was I was kind of born into it, I guess you might say, and uh, grew up in Fayetteville. And then we moved to Conway, Arkansas. And, and then I went to the University of Arkansas and, and, and played football for just a, a wonderful man, Ken Hatfield. And we had a lot of success. And then it just kind of, I was a business major in college, but it just kind of evolved into coaching as opposed to business. So again, I'm, I'm been very fortunate to be at some good, good places, but most importantly, around a bunch of really good men. How, uh, it's, it's, I'm sure it's, it was a lot different, um, back then than it is today, as far as getting into coaching. So talk about that process, like how you got your foot in the door, got your first opportunity, uh, when it came to coaching. Well, my first job was at Appalachian state and, uh, really a fine, fine football program. And, uh, the head coach at the time was a gentleman named Jerry Moore. Coach Moore is the former head coach at Texas tech, the former head coach at North Texas. And actually coach Moore had been my position coach at the university of Arkansas when I was a player my junior year. And he left after my junior year. And when he left, he said, now, Tim, if you decide you want to coach, I'll have a spot for you. Well, I, I wasn't thinking of coaching at that time. And a year later, um, it was the summer I was graduating from Arkansas in four years and one summer. And, uh, Hey, I needed a job and coach Moore had a spot on his staff and he hired me. And I was restricted earnings, which means full-time work, part-time pay. And, and I'll never forget. I mean, I earned $3,000 my first year coaching and actually lived for my first two years of coaching in the officials locker room at App Appalachian State. My second year was a heck of a deal because I got a big raise. I made $6,000 my second year in coaching. So uh, we didn't do it for the money, that's for sure. But uh, that's that's how I got started. I ended up staying at Appalachian for nine years and those were nine wonderful years and had a lot of success and learned a lot and was around a lot of really, really neat men. And then from there, you, you, you coached, you got to coach at, at your alma mater, Arkansas and, and coach some guys that are really household names when it comes to, uh, comes to running backs and Darren McFadden and Felix Jones. Talk about what it was like to first coach at your alma mater uh, and experiences the success that you did and, and be able to coach players like those two guys? Well, I, I went from Appalachian. I was there for nine years and then came with Fisher DeBerry to the Air Force Academy for seven. And then I went with a, a former player of ours at Appalachian State, uh, an offensive lineman who becomes the head football coach at Kansas State named Ron Prince. And so I was with Ron for a year. And then, and then we went to Arkansas and, and uh, was fortunate to coach with Houston Nutt, who I think very, very, very highly of. And, and Houston had a brother, Danny, that was the running back coach. And Danny had done a really nice job, had recruited some good players. They had a good group coming back. And Danny had some health issues. And so Houston calls me and asks me to come back. And, and, and uh, for I, at the time, I, I was a little apprehensive about coming back just because I was at a good spot with good people. And, uh, but we decided to come back. And uh, again, 
I walked into a room that had Darren McFadden, Felix Jones, Peyton Hillis, Michael Smith. I mean, they were really good players. But the thing that that made it so such a good positive experience for me with those guys was they wanted to be coached and and they were very very coachable and they wanted to learn. And so um, th- that that was really a, a good experience for me because here's these elite players. In fact you know, Darren and Felix went in the first round. Peyton probably had as good a pro career as any. He, he's on the cover of Madden one year. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, and they were, they were very coachable. They were very humble and, uh, and we had a lot of success together. So, uh, that was that I, you know, I kind of sometimes tease, I said, you know, all you had to do to coach those guys was just say, now guys, the bus is leaving at four 30. Let's just make sure we're on it. So, <laughs> But uh, they they were special guys, and and I still enjoy a great relationship with all of them. Yeah, and and I I can't believe I left Peyton Hillis off that list when I was asking about those Arkansas guys. A lot of Arkansas fans in this area who would be upset with me for for forgetting (laughs) him. Uh, And then, obviously, you go from there to to Auburn and and coach some great guys there, and Trey Mason and and Cameron Artis Payne, uh, Cameron Petway, Carrion Johnson, just some great, again, some another uh, run of great running backs there at Auburn as well. Yeah, we, we were really blessed. One thing that's really helped me along in my career, uh, and it really started, it was this way at Appalachian to a certain extent. It was really this way at the Air Force Academy, but it was this way at Arkansas and Auburn for sure, is when you're a running back coach, it's nice when your philosophy is to run the ball. I mean, you know, right. we – Air Force led the country in rushing last year. And and when I was here, we led the country in rushing. When I was at Auburn, we became the first school in the history of the SEC to lead the country in rushing. So you're more apt to have successful running backs when they get to run the ball a lot. And so that's what we had at Arkansas with Niall Davis and Darren and Felix and, and uh, Jonathan Williams. And then that's what we had at Auburn. Kirion Johnson and Petway and Cameron Artis Payne and Trey Mason. And, and so I've been fortunate in that the programs that I've been at, we were really run first offenses. Yeah, you're right. That's like a, uh, I'm sure the offensive line coaches feel the same way. You like being an offensive line coach where you can ground and pound those guys and, and uh, that it's a lot of the, the onus of the offense is, is on your shoulders. And so uh, fortunately, that's been the case for you and most of the places where you've been. And like you said, it's, it's the case now there at air force. Let's talk about uh, now your position at air force. And uh, as I mentioned in our conversation leading up to this, uh, we had uh, recently had a coach on um, for, from Virginia military Institute. And I asked him the same question because when it comes to uh, coaching at a service Academy, there's a lot of unique um, challenges and also advantages that comes to, to being at a place like that. So I'll ask you that same question, discuss both, both those unique challenges and advantages of, of coaching football at a service academy? Well, I, I think probably our greatest advantage is all the intangibles that you look for in a player. Most of the time we've got, you know, is he a smart player? Does he have a great work ethic? Is he a tough kid? Is he, you know, does he have the football intelligence? Does he, you know, uh, is he going to be a, a, a team first person as opposed to a meet? me person is he is he going to be a good student and are you going to have problems with the kid off the field and and at at the air force academy all of the intangibles that you look for in a player are really in a program for the most part we've got 
you know, our disadvantage, I don't even know if you'd call it a disadvantage, but sometimes our talent level is not as good as, hey, it's probably not as good as Notre Dame's, and it's probably not as good as Boise State's or San Diego State's or Oklahoma or just different teams that we've had to play over the years. And so your talent level may not be as good, but all those intangibles that you look for in a program and look for in a player, I, I feel like we're we're pretty close to the top on all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no doubt. Like I said, I'm, I'm sure that, that um, you know, holding ki- those kids accountable or, or having those guys, uh, having to worry about them uh, being any kind of discipline issues usually is probably not something you're going to run into there. Uh, there at Air Force, which is which is uh, the uh, you know a coaching dream for sure, and you and I'm sure you, you're able to maximize talent at a place like that because the, those those intangibles that you talked about are there. No question about it, you know, and 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 um, you know I'll never forget the first year I coached at the Air Force Academy was 1999, and we opened the season at home against Villanova and we beat them. Villanova was a one double A school. And then our second game was at the university of Washington. And I'll never forget Fisher DeBerry, the longtime ultra successful head coach here on Thursday, he asked our team, he says, uh, you know, guys, I'm just curious how many of you guys were offered division one scholarships and uh, other than uh, to an appointment, other than an appointment to uh, West point or to the Naval Academy. And we had one kid's hand go up, one kid. Oh. And the kid, the kid was a tight end named Andy Milan. And Coach DeBerry says, Andy, where were you offered? And Andy says, well, Coach, I got an offer from Louisiana Monroe. And, and so I'm thinking to myself, we're fixing to go play Washington in Seattle. It's Rick Neuheisel's first game at home. We're on national TV. We're, we're fixing it. This might not be pretty. And so we go up there two days later and we play and and we beat them. I think we beat them 35 to 21 and they scored on the last play of the game to make it look closer than it was. And, and I just remember thinking when we left the stadium that night, you know, we've got one guy on our team that could have gone, that, that we had no guys on our team that could have gone to Washington, but right. we had those intangibles. And really I think the, the key to it all is football a game of execution offensively defensively and particularly offensively you know we've done a good job for 40 years at the air force academy of executing triple option football and uh and so i still think it gets back to you know what teams can execute and then what i've always called rule number one alive and rule number one alive and every player i've ever coached should know rule number one alive is let's don't beat ourselves just don't beat yourself and you'll be okay and and that's what we've been able to do at the academy. You mentioned uh, you know running the triple option there. So you've we've already talked about some of these running backs that you've been able to coach throughout your career. What's the biggest difference in coaching running backs in a more traditional offense? You know whether it be a spread or a pro style, and then coaching running backs uh, in the triple option. Well, first it starts in the recruiting game because in the recruiting game I've always thought of, and really this is not necessarily. Uh, running back specific. I've always thought of seven traits that I've always liked to to have in uh, in recruiting a kid. Number one, does the kid have the size that you need? You know, when you're playing Big 12 football, when you're playing in the Southeastern Conference, when you're playing even in the Mountain West, 
for the most part, you know, you're, you're not going to be able to get by with a offensive lineman that's six foot, 245 pounds. And, and as you know, Ty, that guy may be a heck of a player, but he's just not going to be big enough at our level. So does the kid have the size next? Does he have the speed? Can't, you know, football's a speed game. It doesn't matter if you're a linebacker or a guard, you got to be able to run. And so you're looking for the speed next. I think you're looking for strength. I think when you talk about the weight room and the strength level, I think for me in recruiting, they need to have the strength because they need to have a coat of armor around them uh, to keep them healthy. And so I think that that that's really important is in recruiting. Uh, I've been fortunate to coach a whole lot of running backs that that have gone on to the NFL. And in fact, there's probably only one that was not good in the weight room. Everyone else was really solid and had a great foundation in the weight room. And then I, the, the fourth S that I look for is savvy. Is, is that a savvy kid? Can he make the throw? Can he make the catch? Can he make somebody miss on fourth and one when the guard falls down and there's a three technique right in the hole? Does he have, does he have that savvy? Can he get to the quarterback as a pass rusher? Uh, the next one is toughness. And, and that's something that I think we've excelled with at the Air Force Academy. We got some tough kids. And so that's the, the fifth component that I look for. The sixth component that I like to look for is FBI, football intelligence. And so, you know, particularly at certain positions, I mean, you got to have a, a quarterback that can get you in the right play. You got to have a linebacker or a safety that can adjust you to the different formations and motions and shifts that you might get. And then the last component that I've always looked for is, you know, does he love football? Because if he loves football, he's going to go to class. If he loves football, he's not going to, you know, he's not going to be uh, late for practice or skip practice. If he loves football, he's, you know, he's going to be in the weight room doing what he's supposed to be doing. And so those are the things that I look for. Now, when you come to the Air Force Academy, you're still looking for the same things. But the this is a, a, a study that I did when I coached the running backs in the SEC. For about the last 25 years, the um, leading rusher in the SEC is about 218 pounds. He's about five foot 10. He's about 218 pounds. Well, at the Air Force Academy, we want our halfbacks or tailbacks, they're going to be smaller, quicker, shiftier guys. So, you know, I'm not necessarily looking so much for the size that I that I did in the Southeastern Conference that I do in the Air Force offense. You know, hey, if we've got a, a, a halfback that's 180, 185 pounds, that's plenty big enough. So there are some things from the, the just the style of offense that we run that are a little bit different than what we had at, say, Vanderbilt or Arkansas or even Kansas State. You know, you coached at Auburn there under Coach Malzahn, uh, and I know that a lot of the stuff that he does, although it's, you know, out of the shotgun, are very similar to, um, you know, whether it be wing tee, uh, principles, uh, but but still some similarities there to, to what you are doing now. What are those similarities, and what are what are some things that you can take from, you know, your, your experience in the SEC, in the Big 12, uh, and, and use uh, as a coach now at the Air Force? Well, I, I think, you know, when we were at Arkansas with Darren McFadden, we were a really good power and counter team. When I was at uh, uh, 
uh, Auburn with all those really good running backs and, and JB Grimes, the offensive line coach was unbelievable, outstanding. I mean, we were excellent in, in the power and the counter game. We also ran some inside and some outside zone. When you look at what we do on offense at the air force Academy, we run the counter, we run the, we run the zone plays, the inside and outside zone plays. And so they're very, very similar in maybe how they're blocked. I think the thing that's a little bit different is where that running back's coming from. At Arkansas, a lot of times, Darren McFadden was coming from the I formation. At uh, Auburn, Kirion Johnson was coming from the shotgun, and he was offset. At the Air Force Academy, we've got two halfbacks on each side, a fullback directly behind, and the line is still blocking the same schemes but just how we get to that handoff or that mesh point or, or how the play starts is just what's a little bit different. And so, again, it's, uh, it, it's been very similar in terms of what, what you see up front with the O-line. The part that's different is just, you know, where that handoff's going to take place from the eye, from the offset, from the gun, from the double slots, where are you going to get the handoff and, and, and the different angles that you'll approach the, the, the blocks from is a little bit different. But again, I, th- I think a lot of it, like you said, Ty, is very similar. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Well, um, okay, so this is a defensive podcast, so I know some guys are going to want to know, like, you know, there's always a, a, uh, some anxiety when you play uh, a flex bone offense, a wing T offense, you know, any kind of o- option offense. And, um, you know, I know because we see it, we run, we run the wing tee here and you see a lot of different people. You see some funky stuff out of defenses, some, some crazy stuff uh, sometimes that, that, they, that guys will do to try to, to slow down the offense. Uh, but just for you guys and just, and you can talk about Air Force or just in general from your time as a, as a running backs coach, what were some fronts that presented some issues for you? And was it a front or was it, was it guys moving uh, at the snap? Was it linebacker shooting gaps? What, what were some things that gave those guys issues, those running backs some issues when it came to, you know, hitting their, their, uh, hitting their gap or hitting the hole or, you know, making things bounce, that sort of thing? Well, Ty, it, it kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit with, with offense and what we believe in at the Air Force Academy and really what everybody, I think, deep down believes in is what do you have the ability to execute? What, what can you do? And so – I can remember from the first time I was here at the Air Force Academy, we had a really good team. We were undefeated. Uh, We played Notre Dame on a Saturday night on ESPN. Game day was here. The place was packed. And and Notre Dame played one front the entire night. They didn't move. They didn't. They played one front. It was an eight-man front. And, and they really did a great job of supporting with their secondary, in particular their safeties. But they took the philosophy that night many years ago that we're going to keep it simple and we're going to know who's got the dive and who's got the quarterback and who's got the pitch guy. And, and that was Notre Dame's philosophy that night. And it ended up being a really good game. Notre Dame beat us 21 to 14. And, and Notre Dame was as simple as you could possibly be. And, and what I've always thought in defending not just the triple option but any op- offense is let's make sure we're sound first. Let's make sure that 
We know who we're responsible for. Let's make sure who we are responsible for in coverage or where our drop, where our drop zones are or whatever it is. And then once you know that, hey, I'm 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 good on on this eight man front. Hey, then let's let's see if we can can mix in there a little bit of four three. And then, uh oh, if we still know what we're doing and we're able to execute it well enough, then let's get in a little bit of a bear front where everybody's covered. And now they're really going to have a hard time running the ball against us. And so, but I think one of the problems that coaches make, and it happens on offense as well, is, you know, trying to do too much before you're able to just handle, let's be good in our base fronts first. Then once we got those base fronts down, those base coverages down, then let's add a little more window dressing to it. And the very best defenses that I've gone against, particularly in the Southeastern Conference, and take what Coach Saban does at Alabama, I mean, they're good in base, but they're also good enough where they can sprinkle in different blitzes and different movements and different fronts that they can still give you enough window dressing that – you know, they're, they're able to, you know, confuse you at times and make sure you don't know exactly where that pressure's coming from. But to me, first thing I want to do is I want to be good in my base front and, and I'm not going to deviate from that base front until I know that I've got all my bases covered. Yeah, that is, um, I've been in those games against a, an, an option style offense when, uh, things aren't working and you're not, there's really, you kind of get hamstrung and, and, it's 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 a hopeless feeling because now you're just sort of grasping at straws, trying to fix all these leaks and and understand you know where the issues are. And so when you do find that that you know hey this is what we're going to be in and we can like you said we can we can incorporate a few wrinkles here and there, but um, you know this is what we're going to be because now we know if there is a breakdown where it's coming from and and what the issue is it can be fixed. And and I, well, I think when it comes to defending those types of offenses that you're talking about that you guys run, it is really easy to get in the weeds on some things. No question about it. No question about it. And, I, and, and, and again, I, I think, and, and I'm a, I'm what I would call a fundamentalist coach. I'm still old school enough that I still think it comes back to blocking and tackling and getting off blocks and, you know, running hard to the football and taking care of the football and, and good first steps and good, uh, your podcast, keep your pad level low, keep your pads down. I think that's really important. And so uh, I, I do think, and J.B. Grimes was so good at that at Auburn, is making sure fundamentally, uh, no matter what our schemes are, that that we we know what we're doing and, and we can play solid fundamental football. Like with, with my guys, when, when we come off the field after, you know, after a defensive series, I'm talking to them about, hey, what are some things you guys are seeing? You know, we're, we're talking, us as coaches are talking, you know, about some different things and maybe some things we want to try in the next series or, or whatever. So when you guys, after an offensive series, whether, whether you scored or not, you guys are coming off, uh, off the field and you're talking to them. Um, what are some things that you're looking at between the series uh, to kind of address, or once you get a feel for what the defense is trying to do, what are some things that you're looking at? Maybe you're talking to your guys about between series. Ty, that's a really good question, and 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 this is something that I think we've done a good job of, and and this is something that's different than high school football, and it's different than professional football because in high school football, and I don't know if y'all do it, 
but you can come off the field and you can go straight to video. You can get in, under some tent and you can watch video a lot of times. In pro football, you come off the field and you're going to see a little laptop or, or iPad or something, and they're looking at pictures. Well, in college football, we don't have those. We can't do that. So one of the things that we did when I was at Arkansas, and this was when I was coaching with Bobby Petrino, and Coach Petrino is a really gifted coach, really smart, good coach. But one of the things that we did, and we took this to Auburn with us as well, and we did it at Vanderbilt as well, is uh, one of our student coaches uh, would chart the down, the distance, the play, the front, and any kind of pressure that was going on during the play, okay? And we may have a 12-play series on offense, but when that series was over, and a lot of times what he would do is as soon as that third down play got ran and we were having to punt or kick a field goal or score a touchdown, he would go straight to the phones and he would check the, the fronts and the coverages with people in the press box real quickly. And then we had had sheets where we would um, carbon copy about four sheets. And so one would go to the head coach, one would go to the offensive line coach, one would go to the running back coach, one would go to the receiver coach. And so now when the players came to the bench, we had a list of all 12 plays that we ran we had a list of all 12 fronts that they were in. We had a list of all the coverages they were in. And then we had a list of the three times that series that they brought pressure and what were the pressures that they brought. And something that I've always believed in when you're in between series is that's, that's not just for the player that's playing in the game. That's that's really for the players that's your next running back in and your next running back in and your next running back in. So when you get them to the sideline, now you're going to go through every single play. Hey, what did you see on this pressure? Did you see the safety starting to cheat over before the corner came on the corner blitz? You know, and so you can go through all those pressures in particular, but you know, hey. That that series now, guys, they played a bear front this, you know, this many times. Remember, these are the plays that we like versus a bear front. So be ready for them. Okay, hey guys, that series now, they played a bunch of man coverage. So remember, when we're getting man, we want to try to do this with our running backs. So sometimes I'm not smart enough to remember what we did on play three in a 12 play series. But that little hit sheet or that little charting sheet that was given to everybody, uh, that always gave us some some really good organization uh, on the sideline. I thought. Yeah, and and in Texas we can't we can't have sideline film either. So we're, oh, we're really yeah we're in the same situation you are you guys are and we do a very have a very similar uh, process and things will be a little bit differently uh, this this season with uh, our defense coordinator leaving and and myself and another coach assuming those responsibilities. But uh, it's kind of the same deal, like where you're, you're talking to the guy in the box and we're charting, okay, what was the what was the down and distance? What was the formation? What was the play? Did we send pressure? That sort of thing. And you start building uh, sort of your – you, you can really chart – you're charting what they're trying to do. Okay, here's where they're trying to go. They're trying to attack us weak or they're trying to attack yeah. our – so um, for you guys, though, 
I'm sure that there are weeks, you know, being there, especially at Air Force, where it what you what you watch defenses do on film the previous week against another offense is not what they're going to do versus you versus y'all. So I'm, I'm I'm sure that those between series meetings are even more so important because you may that first series, which I'm sure is scripted for y'all, may be against a front that you didn't practice against all week. No question about it. In fact, I've, there's some great stories about. Uh, in fact, I, I've already brought up that Washington game my first year at the Air Force Academy. Um, you know, we thought going into that game that Washington was going to play an eight-man front, which is what they did the previous week against another opponent, which what what is what they did the previous year against Air Force, which is what they did the previous year every game. And so we get to <laughs> game two, and they come out the very first series and they're in a four, three defense. And you're like, you know, we hadn't practiced against this four, three defense since, you know, three days in fall camp. And so, Oh my gosh, what do you do? Well, coach DeBerry used to always call it the Bible and you would always go back to the Bible and there were certain, Hey, these are plays we like against eight man in fronts. These are plays we like against four, three. These are plays we like against, you know, Bayer defense. These are plays we like against 6-1, you know, whatever. And so I remember that day we went to the Bible play two because we saw what they were doing, play one, play two. We go drop the eight-man front game plan and go to the 4-3 game plan. And and so you better have a, a plan to adjust in this offense. The other thing that you're doing a lot of is you're doing a lot of of past research you're okay what they do what did this coordinator do against army what did this coordinator do against navy what did this coordinator do against rice what did this coordinator do against us if we played him seven years ago you know so you better have a good library that you can go back to to see how they did it the last time they played your offense but like you said you better have some adjustability because there's a lot of times you're going to see things and 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 you're not going to have prepared for them as much as you would have liked no yeah for, absolutely i'm curious when when coaching running backs uh in in the triple option okay so one of the things that makes running backs in in really special a lot of times and you know this i'm not telling you anything you don't know is is but is their ability to be patient and wait for things to develop uh you know look for those cutback lanes cut it back against the grain things like that a lot of times it seems like in, in your style of offense that that's not really the case. Running backs are just there asked just to hit, you know, go hit, hit a spot right now. So talk about how you're coaching those guys and how that's a little bit different. Do you have runs where there are, they, it's built in where they're going to cut things back ac- across the grain? You know, h- how do you kind of coach up, you know, hit your, hit your spot, but also allow things to develop all in the same time? Well, I think it's a little different for the, you know, we've got two slots and then we've got a fullback that's obviously directly behind the quarterback. And and one thing I've always believed in, in whatever offense, I think it's important that, and this is something that I've done with so many of the running backs that I've had that uh, I, I think it made Kirion Johnson some money, to be honest, when he was coming out. I think it's important that the running backs understand uh, what we're trying to get done up front blocking scheme wise, and they need to be able to draw. Okay. We're running power. We're running counter. 
We're running outside zone. We're running triple option. I think it's important that they can draw that play on the board because when I speak about Kerryon Johnson, I'll never forget KJ was drafted, I think, in the second round by the Detroit Lions. He was the SEC player of the year for us maybe in 2017, something like that. And and I never forget he went to his interview at the combine and he knocked it out of the park. And one of those NFL coaches that was interviewing him said, you know, coach, we asked him what his favorite play was. And he got on the grease board and he drew it up. And he was able to tell us exactly what that offensive guard was doing, you know, what his landmark was, what his pull technique was, where where we wanted his hat placement. And so I think as a running back coach, that's something I've always really tried to do is make sure they know, particularly in this, the triple option, let's, let's say we're running the trap. Well, that fullback needs to know, okay, what's my path? What are we trying to tell that guard? What if we do get kind of a wrong shoulder look and it ends up being a little bit more of a log than a kick out, you know, so how are we going to adjust? And so again, one of those seven qualities, football intelligence. And so I think the more you can, can teach them uh, the intricacies of the position, that's, that's great. At the same time, and this is something Coach DeBerry used to tell us, Make sure they don't have paralysis paralysis through analysis. Don't give them so much information that it slows them down either. So you kind of have to understand what players can handle that and what players can't handle that. And, and ultimately, you just want them playing fast. No doubt. And I've also found that that's something, too, You talk, when you're talking about, you know, with your running backs, understanding the offensive line. You know, for as a defensive line coach, it might be, hey, you need to start learning what what those linebackers, how, how, what you do affects them and, and where they're supposed to be, because that's going to help you know, help you understand what, what your, your role uh, better. But, you know, especially with the young kids, you want them to understand what they're doing first. And then once that, once they no master that, once they master that, then it's like, okay, now you can almost become like, you can start seeing things from my perspective as a coach. And, right. and I've noticed that, you know, as a coach, as those kids get older, that's one of the cool things about it is, now you can kind of start showing them the whole picture, the big picture, and that's when they really tend to blossom as players. No question about it. And at running back, I think you really see it in this, and it doesn't matter where I've coached, is pass protection. You know, a lot of times tailbacks in particular in high school, they maybe haven't had to pass protect a whole lot. And so when you're when you're first getting that player at Vanderbilt or at Arkansas or at Auburn or Kansas State or even at the Air Force Academy, you know, make sure they know who they're responsible for and they can handle their job. But then ultimately, okay, now if this one comes and this one doesn't or this one doesn't come and this one does come, who's going to pick him up? Who's going to be hot? Why are we hot off him? And the more you can teach them, the better. But the first thing you got to cover is just making sure you do your job. No doubt. No doubt. That's that is uh, key to whatever position you're playing on the football field is is uh, do your one eleventh first. Well, coach, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, the first time, you know, uh, I mentioned in the opener of today's episode that our connection is through uh, my father in law. I know he uh, holds you in high regard. And and I remember uh, several years ago, this is when you were still at Arkansas, that you were speaking at an FCA event. And uh, so he invited me to go along with him. And so uh, he and I and, and uh, 
also your great friend, uh, Chris Beckett, former teammate, uh, all got to go in and hear you speak. And, um, and so I know that you're a, a man of faith and that is, um, you know, that, that you know, everything that you do derives from that and, and, and is, is, you know, through that, through your faith. And so as a, you know, as a college football coach at a very high level, in what ways have you seen your faith stretched and tested uh, over the years coaching big-time college football? Well, the, the first thing, Ty, and you're right, your father-in-law, Jim Carr, is as fine a man as I know. He is, he is top, top shelf. And so um, I, that was one of the great joys when I did live and coach in Arkansas was getting to see Dr. Carr a lot, a lot more than I do now. But in saying that, I think one thing that's really important, not just as a Christian coach, but as a, as a Christian man or woman, is, is trying to continue to have balance in your life. You know, guys, this, this is a game. This is football. And yes, it's our occupation. And yes, it's important. And yes, if we don't win enough, uh, we're, we're not going to be able to keep our jobs. But let's, let's keep our balance here. Let's don't get too high with the highs. Let's don't get too lows with the lows. Uh, let's remember that really what's the most important thing is, is, is our everyday walk with the master coach. And, and what kind of husband am I? What kind of dad am I? And so I've really tried. And, and I had some good people to follow and watch, starting with my own parents. But really tried not to really tried to keep as much balance as I possibly could. And then I coached with some guys that I thought were great at keeping that balance. Uh, starting with the player, the coach I coached for, or excuse me, played for, Ken Hatfield was that way. Jerry Moore was that way uh, at uh, Appalachian State. Fisher DeBerry was that way at uh, the Air Force Academy. Troy Calhoun, the head coach at the Air Force Academy now is great at just keeping balance in your life. And Houston Nutt was that way. And so I've been fortunate to coach with men that kind of showed me how to keep that balance. And then I've seen it on the other extremes too, where there's some that, that, you know, they, they, you know, lose their, they lose their families because they devote so much of their life to their job. And, and, and I don't want to be a person like that. So as a, as a Christian, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stresses and pressures that come with with coaching uh, Division One college football, uh, recruiting. You know, winning, uh, handling kids that, that are you know handling issues with your players. You know, wondering if you're going to have a job next year or not. You know, with just with the the, cha- the constant changes and and so how do you handle all those things uh, as a Christian? Why you know what what do you uh, do to handle those things as they inevitably come up in your in your in your job? For me. Uh, and I can certainly do much, much better. I do know that. But I think it starts with the foundation of the master playbook. You know, you, you, um, there's so much wisdom in the Bible, and, and that's something that, that I've always tried to go to, to to help keep me balanced and to not, you know, um, to, to just help keep me grounded and and not think that this thing is bigger than it is, because ultimately all I am is just a, is, is a teacher, and uh, that's an important job. But uh, you know, let's let's don't get too, you know, too knocked out of whack if something goes wrong or there's some kind of adversity. But I just want to try to be as grounded as I can in my faith. I know one thing. I know one thing that's helped me, and I was talking to 
our FCA guy this week here at, at the Air Force Academy. I've coached for 32 years at the Division One level, and 31 of the 32 years during the season, I've been involved with a Bible study. And uh, whether it was an early morning study, whether it was a late night study, whether it was during office hours or not during office hours, I think that's something that for me has helped just help me keep my focus on my priorities. And again, not trying to put football in front of my faith or more important, you know, my family. So I know that's something that's helped me a lot. Since I've been here at Pleasant Grove, we we uh, take part in Coaches Outreach, which is a great resource for coaches. And if you guys who are listening aren't involved in that, that's definitely something uh, that you should check out. Uh, but we do that a lot of times uh, in the mornings, uh, early, before before school, and, and that's once a week. And that's a great way to um, kind of start off your day. And it really, it's a, you build relationships with your coaches in a different way than you do normally just sitting around a coach's office and uh, really get to know the guys that you coach with and know their struggles and, and their, their backgrounds and things that they have going on uh, away from the field house. And so I think that is a, that's, that's vital to have that, um, you know, whether it be through your own church or through your, your football staff or however you, wherever, wherever you do that, that's, a, that's something that is key to uh, maintaining a strong faith for sure. You know, and, and Ty, another thing that I've just always believed in is, um, the relationship with the players and how that to me is a lifetime relationship. I mean, you know, there's not a week that goes by that I don't talk to a former player that maybe was at Appalachian state or was at Arkansas or was at Auburn or, you know, Vanderbilt or wherever it may be. And to just, to just, uh, to have that relationship mean more than just, Hey, making sure you know who you've got on this blitz pickup. You know, let's let's know who they're let's know what's going on with their parents and their children and their wives and their jobs and things like that. And so you've just got to really, I, I think, just a genuine concern for those people that that you've that you've helped raise. And so that's something that I get a great deal of enjoyment with is maintaining those relationships with those former players. Our, our head coach here. Uh, calls it uh, being a chameleon when it comes to being able to change up your approaches to uh, when it comes to trying to reach different players. And you've coached guys, you've coached kids from all different walks of life and from every socioeconomic level and and, and all those things. How do you, in what ways are you like that chameleon where you can change and adapt in order to reach different guys on your team, you know, within a given year? That's a great point, and that's a great uh, that's a great nugget on wisdom that your coach is giving there. It, it, it's funny because I think, like we were talking about Arkansas earlier, you're coaching Darren McFadden and you're coaching Felix Jones. And number one, you're going to coach them all with respect, but number two, you're going to coach them all differently. And Darren McFadden, if I jumped on Darren and I got after him good, and I I challenged him and I, you know, I wouldn't cuss him, but I could, I could get after him without cussing. You know, he was going to turn it up and was going to practice great for the next hour. Felix Jones was a kid that needed encouragement. You needed to encourage Felix. That's how he thrived and that's how he excelled. And so you're coaching two guys with respect, one maybe a little bit harder than the other, one with a little more encouragement, one with a little bit more of a, 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 uh, challenge approach and 
you're trying to get them all to just play to the very best level that they can play. But you're exactly right. You better understand your players and you better understand how they respond to coaching best. And that's all done through time, right? I mean, you have to spend time with them beyond the football field because otherwise you would never know those things, uh, you know, just without spending that time and knowing, all right, this is what makes this guy tick. And I think that's a – you know, we get these guys, you get your guys for four years, sometimes less if they're, if they're leaving early when you're, especially when you're in the SEC. And it, it's a, it, it takes a long time to, to sometimes to, to figure out what it is exactly makes them tick and why they act the way they do. But once you unlock that code, then it's a, you can really do something special with those guys. No question. And, and to me, it gets back to the word trust as well. You know, they've got to trust you. You've got to trust them. But you're exactly right. It's just like being a dad. You know, hey, uh, the best thing you can do with your children is spend time with them. Same thing with your wife. Spend time with her. And uh, that's one thing that in the coaching profession, whether it's uh, taking your players bowling or bringing them over to watch Monday night football or just have, you know, family dinner around the kitchen table. I I think those are important things to do because you're developing that relationship. You're developing that trust. And uh, I think that's that's what I've always thought the good coaches did. If you could pass along any advice to younger coaches today, what would it be? Well, there's nothing more valuable, and it says this in the master playbook, than a good name. Well, the way you have a good name is, you know, kind of the pillars of the Air Force Academy. You know, integrity first, service before self, and excellence in all we do. I mean, that's what we talk about here at the academy. And, and again, it starts with integrity. Just be honest with your players. They may not like what you have to say sometimes, but you got to be, you got to be, you know, honest with them, you know, service before self, you know, that's something that I've seen change and evolve uh, kind of in a negative sense over the last decade or so, not just with players, but with coaches and administrators is let's play for the name on the front of the shirt. Let's don't play for the name on the back. And, and so many, you know, it's become such a me, me, me world that that's something that I think, you know, is, is always important to show. Uh, and then just try to, you know, autograph your work with, with excellence, whatever you're doing, whether it's writing a letter or doing a Zoom call or, you know, talking to a parent on the phone. You know, you, you just want to, you know, try to do things to the very, very best of your abilities and in a way that would, would honor God. Well, Coach, I can... Um attest to this uh i've you and i have communicated a lot over the years and and i've written you some hand handwritten notes or sent you emails uh from you know when you're at different different spots whether at arkansas or auburn uh vanderbilt and and even out air force and i've always been impressed that um i i can count on if i send you something that you're going to send me a a uh a handwritten note back and I, i i think that is a lost art those handwritten notes you know, um, I remember when I first got here uh, to Pleasant Grove, I guess you and my father-in-law had talked and uh, you knew that I was coming here. And, and there in my box at Pleasant Grove was a this gold envelope from Vanderbilt, uh, from Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt football office. And, and, and it took me a second to figure out what, you know, who that was and where that was coming from. But that's always been impressive to me that uh, someone who is as, as busy as you are, at, you know, that, that's able to take the time to uh, sit down and write those handwritten notes to, to, to a high school coach. Um, and, and so I know that that's something that, that you, uh, pride yourself on. And that's something I've always been really impressed with. Well, it's, it's funny, Ty, because 
where, where did I get that? And I do write, I write, I write a lot of notes. In fact, I wrote two to high school coaches in Arkansas today, but, uh, my mom, every morning that she wakes up, she sends mostly a, a get well card to somebody in the church or somebody that's, you know, lost, you know, a husband or lost a wife or is sick and in the hospital. And so I learned that by watching my mother. And so, uh, you know, it just goes to show you the power of influence and, and the power that you've got, Ty, the power that I've got, the power that all the coaches listening to this podcast have because we've got such influence over our players and uh, we want that influence to be positive. And so uh, I think that's one of our greatest challenges is to, you know, use our influence in a positive way. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and uh, it does go back to like what you talked about service before self, that's the key. And if, if you can learn to do that and be that way, then, then good things are going to happen for you. Uh, well, Coach, I want to uh, – we're going to close out today with some rapid-fire questions and put you under the gun a little bit. Uh, so we're, we're going to start off kind of a, with, with, a, with an easy one here. Uh, what is your writing utensil of choice uh, when, it, when you're in the football office out on the practice field, pen or pencil? And I'll even give you a third option, uh, maybe a Sharpie. What's, what's your uh, writing utensil of choice? Pen. Okay, pen. What, now, what kind of pen do you prefer? Do you have a preference? There it is right there. A uniball black pen right there. Okay. All right. All right. I like those. Okay. I may, I may, I like to, I like to click. I like to be able to click. Uh, but yep. I always clip that on my, on my shorts, but I'm definitely a pen person for sure. Uh, I think that's the way to go. Okay. Your most used coaching cue. So I, if I were to ask your guys in your room in the running back room, you know, what does coach Horton say the most? What, 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 what might they say? Your most used coaching cue. Rule number one of life. Don't beat yourself. I love it. I love it. Okay, complete this this statement. If I wasn't coaching for a living, I would be blank. Business in business or the ministry. Okay. All right. Great. All right. Now, as a running backs coach, uh, I, I'm this 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 because I think this this question go a lot of different places. But I'm, I'm curious as from a running backs coach perspective, what's the ideal game day weather conditions for you? Well, I'm a special teams coordinator too. So yeah, and you're right. We didn't even we didn't even cover I'm that. Think, I'm thinking about the wind a little bit. Yeah, but I'm on. I'm gonna do it like I'm, I don't know who it is. Kenny Chesney. I want it clear and se- sunny and 72 is what I want. Yeah, that's right. You know, and again, for for me as a defensive coach, we tend to like things when when they're sloppy. You know, uh, because right. that, that, that a lot of times will work in our favor as far as getting turnovers. And so I can imagine, again, being a special teams coach and a running backs coach where, man, you cannot fumble that football that you would love for things to be maybe, you know, crisp and, and, and cool outside, uh, but also sunny and, and with, with, with a, a very light wind, especially, uh, you know, um, when, it, when it comes to the kicking game. Okay, uh, let's talk about this. Your most memorable game from college, from your days at the University of Arkansas. Texas, you know, anytime back in those days, Arkansas played Texas, and we were fortunate to win both times we played in Austin. Unfortunately, we lost both times we played in Arkansas. So I think for an Arkansan, anytime you played those Longhorns, it was always memorable. 
Yeah. And, and my, uh, I have family that go to Texas and I've talked about that on this podcast. And so we grew up Texas Longhorn fans and I didn't understand. I went to school at Harding, you know, there in Arkansas. And so I had some, some Texas shirts and, and Texas and Arkansas were playing at the time. Uh, that was back like, well, I, uh, let's see, that would have been Oh four Oh five. Matt Jones was yep. a quarterback. Yep. I think Matt. I think Matt and Coach Nutten went to Austin and, and put it on the horns one day. They did. They did. Yeah. And so I didn't understand. You know, when you when you get in Arkansas, it's like 1969 happened last year. You know, <laughs> that is a fresh yeah. memory on those. I, I waited tables at a restaurant there in Searcy, and I had a, a Longhorns hat that I would sometimes wear. And I I just got I got sick of getting stiffed on tips, and I and I figured out I better leave that yeah. that Longhorn hat at home uh, because. No I'm not getting any good tips wearing that thing, uh, you know, in, in the restaurant. So it is, it is, that is still a, a serious rivalry uh, in the state of Arkansas. And, and I know, and they're going to get to play this year uh, in prime time. So that'll be a big time game for sure. Okay. So in all of your years coaching running backs, and I'm sure you pay close attention to running backs, you know, watching them on TV, those guys in the NFL, who has been uh, in your lifetime, your favorite running back of all time to watch play? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, you know, it's hard not to like Walter Payton just because of, of number one, what a great player he was, but also I think, and I've never met him. I met his son, but, uh, just the kind of person that he was. So there's a lot of folks you could choose in that category, but I'm going to go with sweetness. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I don't think you can go wrong with that answer for sure. Okay. Last one. You are special teams coordinator. So we'll get you out of here on this one. What's your favorite special teams unit to coach? Probably punt return, but it's not for the return part. It's for the punt block part. So uh, when we were at Auburn one year, we blocked five or six kicks, and that was always special because there's nothing that can change a game quicker than a block punt for a scoop and score. So I, I love doing that on the flip side having to protect that when they do come try to block you, that's a pain in the rear, but uh, yeah. I'm going to say a block. Punt. Yeah, that's a, that's a great answer. And, and uh, it is fun di- you know, dialing up or drawing up those, those potential punt blocks and finding those, finding that guy who really doesn't want to be on that special teams, uh, who doesn't take it seriously and attacking him and, or you know, that guy who's lazy stepping down or whatever, it, whatever it may be uh, and, and going attacking. That's, that's fun. Especially when you get those, that offense backed up. Uh, in their own ter- deep in their own territory, and now you can pin your ears back and go get it. No doubt. Well, well, Coach, thank you so much for joining us today. It was a lot of fun uh, talking some football and some faith with you, and just want to wish you and the Falcons uh, the best of luck in 2021. Well, Ty, thank you very much. Best wishes there at Pleasant Grove. Keep being a difference maker for kids because you are, that staff is, and and this is what these kids need. They need coaches as much today as we've ever needed them and so and then I think we're all thrilled that COVID is close to being behind us and we're going to get back to some normalcy this fall absolutely no doubt well coach thank you so much have a great day hey thank you Ty thanks once again to coach Horton for joining us today follow coach on Twitter at coach Tim Horton and tell him you heard him here on KYPD and hey feel free to put what I said to the test and write coach a handwritten note I can just about guarantee you that he will send you a note back. As we mentioned in our conversation, he is one of the best in the business at doing that. Our quote of the day comes from Coach Horton, and you heard him say it a couple times in our conversation today. Quote of the day goes like this. 
Don't beat yourself. And that's a wrap for this episode of KYPD. Be sure to subscribe now so you never miss an episode. And if you're liking what you're hearing here on the podcast, then do me a favor and go and give us a five-star rating and leave us a review and tell all your coaching buddies all about us. Until next week, coaches, get out there and make it happen. And I don't care if you coach running backs, wide receivers, or the deep snappers. You better keep the pads down.